0: I don't want to talk about the simplicity of the gospel. Amen. Okay, the simplicity of the gospel. So, if you're taking notes, write that down. I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Actually, go to, go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And as you're getting there, I want to uh, read a few verses to you in, in just a moment. But I'll, actually, let me read this one first. 1 Peter three fifteen says, But sanctify the Lord God. In your hearts, just write that down in your notes. First Peter 3:15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Okay, let me read that again. It says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That means that's not on a Sunday or a Wednesday. That's all the time. And it says, always be ready to give a defense. Always be ready to give a defense. Always be ready to share your faith. That's not on Sundays or Wednesdays or when you're in a group of Christians. That's by yourself at work. That's by yourself in the line at the supermarket. Wherever you go, the Bible says we're supposed to be ready to defend the gospel we believe in. Okay? Now the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. That means that we don't understand the word. We haven't read the word enough. Or some of us are still learning the word of God. We're learning how to use it. And uh, I want to talk about this tonight because the world, and especially the religious world, meaning cults and occults and and, uh, religions that have taken the truth and twisted it, and there are many of them today. Help me know there's just one truth. As they've twisted it and done that, they've, they've taken things out of the Bible that have a truth to it. And then they twist it or they turn it or they change it. And they've made religions and denominations and everything. And so you've got people all over the world scattered, not knowing what they believe by lack of knowledge. That means understanding of the Word of God. Uh, yesterday, me and Pastor Chris uh, met up in Dallas. And Pastor Paul and Emily have an uncle who's from Amarillo, but he was in, the, in Dallas He's been in Dallas for about a week, and he's very sick. Be praying for him. We prayed the prayer of faith over him yesterday, over his body. I believe he's healed in the name of Jesus, but he's got cancer uh, of the lymph nodes and cancer of the stomach and many other things, and so he's, he's in bad shape, according to the doctors. But Pastor Paul, uh, who's in Czech Republic right now, as a matter of fact, please lifting him up as they're going through the conference this week. A lot of things to pray for. Amen. Amen. And uh, so he called Sunday night and said, can you guys go visit my uncle? So me and Pastor Chris went there and we got there just in time because he was being released at about a half an hour after we got there to go back to Amarillo. Doesn't mean he's cancer free, but he was being released from the hospital at that moment. They're going to do chemo and all that stuff. So we met him. And when we walked in, he had such a good spirit. He really shocked us. I was kind of expecting to walk in and see him really down, really sick really, really depressed, and he was in good spirits, and it blessed us that he was in such good spirits, and so we walked in, and he knew who we were. Pastor Paul told me we were coming, and he said, he said these words. He said, are you saved? That's what he said to us. We said, yes, we're saved, and he told us a story about how in the church they, they grew up, and he grew up in Pastor Paul's wife's Emily's dad's church. He was a pastor, and he preached the gospel till he died, and uh, they grew up in that church and they had this thing, they'd walk around to each other when they'd see each other on the streets and they'd say, hey, are you saved? They saw each other in the store. If they saw each other on the street, anywhere, they'd say, hey, are you saved? And say, Wayne, are you saved tonight? And Wayne would shout back, yeah, I'm saved. Are you saved? And so it would start this spark of, of curiosity. And everybody would be like, what are they talking about? And he said it led on one time being in the store to some guy asking, to, coming up and asking for prayer. So I say that because we're there in the room and we're praying. And we, we went in there and we said, God, we're going to pray for, for, uh, for this man and we're going to believe for his healing. So the nurse was walking in with the wheelchair to take him out. And so she said, give us, we said, give us a minute. We're going to pray for this man. And so she said, okay, let me come in too. So she got in the circle with us. And so we started praying. That nurse started praying. And she was squeezing my hand hard, man. I don't know if the anointing was hitting her or what, but she was squeezing my hand hard. And I was like... So anyways, we kept praying... And it was a powerful prayer. You could feel the presence of God. And we got done. And uh, tears were coming down her eyes, the nurse's eyes. And so we walk outside and we finish talking to them. We grab their bags and we get out to the front of the car and we're waiting for the, for the cars to be pulled up. They have like valet parking there. It's kind of weird. at a hospital. So anyways, we're waiting for our vehicles to come. I've never valet parked in my life <laughs> till yesterday at a hospital by force. So we valet parked and we're waiting for the, for the vehicles and everything. And um, I hear Pastor Chris talking to this lady and we had asked her inside, you know, do you go to church? And she said, yeah, I go to church. And so we moved on. And So I heard Pastor Chris ask her because I was talking to the guy he, I, and I'm listening to him at the same time. He's like, uh, are you saved? He said that to this lady that just prayed with us. And she said, I don't know. Pay attention. I don't know. And Pastor Chris said, well, you said you go to church. She said, yeah, I go to church. He said, but are you saved? And she said, I go to church. Wow. But are you saved? I go to church. And it was, she was just real adamant about that she went to church. And so it, it sparked something in me for several different directions. But one of them was, you better not come to this church and not know if you're saved or not. Amen. Amen. If someone asked you if you're saved, say, yes, I'm saved. Amen. Or don't say, yeah, I go to church. Amen. That's not the right answer. And it just sparked something in me. I thought, Man something's not going on right at that church she's going to. I don't know how long she... She was good to come in and grab hands with us. Amen. She knew we were supposed to pray. But when he said, are you saved, she did not answer yes or no. Wow. So that sparked something. In me. We left and I, me and Chris haven't seen each other for a while. So I said, let's go get some coffee. So we drove around, found a Starbucks, sat down, and we're just talking. We're just talking back and forth, just you know, about him getting the church started and whatever. We weren't really... I don't really know what we were saying, but we we're always talking about God and we're talking. So one guy's over here. And the table's pretty close. He's listening to music. There's people all around. And so we're talking. And then this guy comes and sits down next. To him. I didn't really even know he was there. And all of a sudden, I kind of sensed that he was there. And so we kept talking. And then all of a sudden, we just—it's we, almost like he was sitting there waiting for it to jump in the conversation. Like, like you know, just so we looked at him and said, "Hey," because he was like already in it. You know how it is when you're real close to somebody. And it's like let him in or let him keep staring at you, right? So we're like, hey, you want to join in the conversation? And so Pastor Chris started talking. To I kind of took the back seat. This is, that's really important. Let me, let me throw some stuff out tonight as we talk about the simplicity of the gospel. If you're witnessing to somebody, they can only listen to one person at a time. So if there's two or three of you around talking, take turns. Let the Spirit of God lead. I let Chris lead, and I just sat back and listened, okay? And then God will give you opportunities. But So they start talking, and he says, well, you know, do you believe in God? And he says, well, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, isn't that funny? How, what does Jehovah's Witness have to do if you believe in God or not? All right. Listen to these answers. He said, do you believe in God? Yeah, but I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Okay, thanks for telling us that. So we start talking, right? And we start sharing. And, and Chris starts talking to him about... Uh, God and and, Je- and of course we we went to Jesus and I want you to really pay attention to this tonight okay I want you to listen to this verse again First Peter three fifteen always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for what your hope is okay so we began to talk to him I can't obviously remember everything we talked about everything that was being said but Dylan can you try to turn those lights on I don't know if it's dark up here we need to pray over our lights they're still having some issues they don't want to come on sometimes they're being rebellious Amen. So always be ready to give a defense. Now, if you've ever been talking to somebody and sharing your faith or whatever, and how many, first of all, how many have been in that position before? Work, school, whatever. You've, you've been talking to somebody, and there's been a discussion, there's been a, a time of witnessing, or, and you find out they're from some religion or whatever, and you begin to talk to them. There's, there's things we should, and there's things we shouldn't do. Okay? And I want to share the simplicity of the gospel tonight, okay? Because as I was listening, not only to this lady who professed to be a churchgoer, she didn't even say she was a Christian, but churchgoer, and she was amening us and squeezing my hand and crying at the prayer, but didn't know she was saved. And then talking to this man who just came up and sat right next to us by ordained appointment, amen. He didn't know he was probably going to sit down next to pastors, amen. So he was in trouble. And so we started talking to him and sharing with him. And as he begins to talk, it says that Jehovah's Witness, you know, we started be saying, "What, you know, what what do you believe and why do you, why do you believe what you believe?" And we basically just got past all the other stuff and began to say, "What what what why should we be Jehovah's Witness?" We were trying to, you know, because he kept saying, man, I'm a Jehovah's witness and, 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 I, and I'm a witness. And, you know, he started saying, man, hard to, it's hard to be a Jehovah's witness, he said. And he said, man, you got you to gotta stop doing this and you got to stop doing that. And he's just saying this. And you could just tell that he was just trying to talk out of what he'd been taught. There was no real relationship there about what he believed. But he was just, he was just saying what he knew he was trained to say. So as you're witnessing, and I hope you are, don't talk like you're trained. Talk like you love God with all your heart and you live it every day of your life and talk like he's done something for you. Amen. Live that thing. Talk it like it really means something to you, because that's the problem. We're sitting there witnessing to somebody and we're trying to say the ABCs and say the right things. There's a simplicity of the gospel that God wants us to talk about, and he wants us to get it to one thing. And that one thing is Jesus Christ and him. Crucified. Right? Remember that again if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I know you're in Matthew. We're going to look at this in a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 and 2. I talked about this a little bit either Sunday or last week. This verse, this particular verse. And I, brethren, when I came to you, Paul said, did not come with an excellence of speech or a wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Okay, So if you're here tonight and you want to be the best soul winner you can be, this is an awesome message for you to pay attention to. You really need to listen to a few key things that I'm going to tell you tonight that really, really matter, that really are going to help you be fruitful in your witnessing. Always, always, always go to Jesus. Yes, amen. Don't waste time on all this other stuff. That man began to tell us all the good things he does and began to tell us how important it was to go to church, and that's important. We know that. And how important it was not to cuss, and we know that. And how important it was not to look at women, and we know that. That's all great stuff. But he never mentioned Jesus. He never mentioned him as Lord and Savior. So we went straight to that and began to talk to him about that. So first and foremost, in the simplicity of the gospel, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now we see that this is nothing new. Now that you're in Matthew 16, let's look at verse 13. This is nothing new 2,000 years later, because Jesus was dealing with the same thing when he came on the scene. He said to his disciples in verse 13, in the region of Caesarea Philippi, Disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And watch this, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Underline that if you would, please. It's very important because the Bible says that any person who says that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh is not of God. Amen. There's a reason why Jesus said the son of man. He was trying to reveal to them that I am God, but I am in a human body. Very important to your faith. I am God, but I am in a human body. Who do the people say that I, the son of man, Am. So they said some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said, but who, do you, and this is what the question is tonight. Who do you say that I am? Amen. We asked that man yesterday, who do you say Jesus is? Amen. We went to Jesus. We talked about Jesus. And he, want, he wouldn't give the fact or, or come to the conclusion or the belief that Jesus was the son of the living God. Okay. why? Because he's been taught different erroneously through through a cult and through false teaching. He's been taught that Jesus is was just another created being that he is powerful, but he was created by God, not he is God, that he was created by God. And so we began to talk, and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And that's the question you need to ask yourself tonight. Do you know who Jesus is, or do you know who Jesus is because someone told you he is? It's personal. Amen? And it seemed like, as he was talking to us, he he had a good, uh, he'd been raised in that church, and he had a good understanding of the places he was supposed to go. But once they get to a certain place, there's no relationship there, there's no life so they come to a dead end. And then when you ask them a question that they cannot answer, they don't know what to say. The question will always go back as you're talking to somebody and witnessing to them. Always go back to the simplicity of the gospel. I'm going to end with this tonight, but I got to keep saying that. The simplicity of the gospel. Because what the devil wants to do is he wants to confuse people. The devil wants to make the gospel difficult. The devil wants to make the gospel a, a thing, a thing of a b c d e f g that you got to do to be able to be saved and the gospel's very simple. Witnessing's very simple. But the devil wants to confuse. He wants to make a theology out of it. He wants to put these things in that you have, well I got to do this and I got to do that. And you know the gospel is simple. He says, "Who do you say that I am?" Peter says, "You are the Christ." Capital C. You are the Christ, the Son of Of the living God. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. Now obviously. Here's one area of a verse where. Of many. That the Jehovah's Witness for example. Will take and use. As they're trying to make Jesus less than God. And not make him God. Okay. They'll say well. It says right there he's the son. And also. uh, The Islamic religion will go there too. That he's begotten. But you, you, you're reading one verse instead of all the verses. And for example, in John chapter 1, if you want to write that down, it's a very important verse. Is in the beginning was the word. The verb. That's Jesus. In the beginning was the word. Okay, and so Jesus has always been around. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one, three in one. They've always been around. They've always worked together. God is not greater than Jesus. Jesus is not greater than God. They're one. They work together. Just like we're body, soul, and spirit tonight. And you cannot take Jesus and put him lower than God because he is God. Are you all with me? But this is what they want to do. They want to tear these things down. They want to make things confusing. And so Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So people would "Well, yeah, but he said Father in heaven because he's on earth in a human body. Okay? And so... 2,000 years later, not much has changed. We still have this same confusion going on, although there's been many religions who've come in the last 2,000 years. And, uh, matter of fact, all the ones that I could mention tonight have come in the last few thousand years, and some, this one particular that I've mentioned several times since I started, and I'm only using the name because this came up yesterday, is only 200 years old. Right. Wow. It's young. Around 1800s. It's only a couple hundred years old. So let me throw out a few things of of views of who Jesus is. How many know the simplicity of the gospel is knowing who Jesus is? Nothing else matters. You can know the whole Bible. You can quote it verse by verse. But if you don't know who Jesus is to you, you have nothing. And and Paul broke that down. How many like those verses that break it down? That's the way I am. I love where I can grab a verse. Amen. I can say, look, this right here refutes everything else you're trying to say. Paul said, I'm not coming to you with excellence of words or with some demonstration of of my my wisdom. But I'm coming to you with these words, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Muslims believe that Jesus was just one of Islam's many prophets, a good and holy man, but not the son of God. Mormons believe that God created Jesus through a relationship with one of his celestial wives. And they believe that even, G, even Satan was his brother. And they were equal in power. Okay? Most people in the New Age movement believe Jesus was an enlightened teacher and somebody who, who uh, was very wise but was not God. Hindus believe that Jesus was, and we just know this from Pastor Manova being here, he was one of the great, many great and holy men, but just one of the 330 million gods that they could worship. Buddhists believe that Jesus, like the New Age movement, was an enlightened man. Nobody denies that Jesus walked this earth. None of these religions deny Jesus Christ was a good man. The problem is, is when it gets difficult, is when anybody tries to make Jesus something less than almighty God. Than the king of kings, the lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Who was and is and is to come. Amen. So the last one I would mention, just to to kind of give you a little bit of teaching, this would be called apologetics. Where you would learn a little bit about... What other religions believe so that you can know how to talk to them. Some of the things that, and this is just some, that, I, that the, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, I've just been talking to you about, is that they believe that Jesus was just a, watch this, created being. Okay? So they believe that Jesus was created by God. Okay? They're not denying that Jesus was even a God, but they say He was created. He was created. And I just told you in John 1, it says that in the beginning was the word. Okay? Go there real quick, just to John chapter 1, so you can see this. If you didn't take it write in your notes, write it down right now. This is very important. Because in the Jehovah's Witness Bible, in the book that they have rewritten, they changed these words and they changed the word God from capital G to a little G. Big error. How many knows that the Bible says in Revelations, do not add or take away from this book? And they take the verse 1 of John 1 where it says, In the beginning was the what? Word, which is capital W. And the Word was what? With God. Wasn't created by God. Didn't come after God. The Word was with God. And the Word what? Was God. The word was God. And then it says, he was in the beginning with God. Can't get any clearer. He was in the beginning with God. Meaning when, when, when this whole thing began, Jesus was. He was. And Genesis says all the way back in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. He said, let us us make man in our image. Meaning they were working together since the very beginning. God is, Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is God. Okay, this is very important to our faith. So it says, all things were made through him. I mean, I don't understand why, how these people can read the Bible and get anything else out of it. It says, in the beginning, verse 3, sorry, all things were made, verse 3, through him, capital H, and without him, the word, the verb, Jesus, nothing was made That was made. Okay, y'all following me so far? The simplicity of the gospel, Jesus. So they would say that he is a created being, no trinity. Any religion, any cult, any sect that takes away the trinity is not of God. You cannot dissect that. You cannot make it less. You cannot mess with it. It's very, very important. That would, try to, that would be like making us something that we're not. You cannot take away the fact that I have a soul. No matter how much you say you can't see it, I have a soul. And I have a mind. Some minds are bigger than others, amen? Some are more, more used than others, praise God. But we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. You cannot take that away. can't take away God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if anybody begins to say anything like that, do not follow that and say you're wrong. It's okay to say you're wrong because the Bible says. All right, because the Bible says. So let's look at Colossians chapter 1 real quick. Colossians chapter 1. How many are with me? All right, let me hear them Bibles turn. Colossians chapter 1. I know you're writing it down. Verse 13 to 18. Watch this. This is, this is another powerful verse, but this is where, and I'm just grabbing a few little things and I'm not trying to pick on any religion tonight, but this is just something that happened yesterday, and so I'm taking advantage of it. All right? So Colossians chapter 1. Say amen when you're there. Amen. Let's look at verse, first of all, let's look at verse 15. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Looking right at 15. Watch it, says, here's, here's one of the verses that the Jehovah's Witnesses will take to say that Jesus Christ is not God. He is the image of the invisible God, verse 15. And then what it says, the firstborn over all creation. Okay, so since that verse says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, then they take that and they say, see, he was born of God. Y'all following me? I'm telling you what they teach. See, he was born. He wasn't always there. He was born. He was the firstborn over all creation. So just like I've said before, I can take a verse. I can make a doctrine out of it. I can say, Jesus said, and I've used this a thousand times, but it's generic and easy to understand. Jesus said, unless you become as a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I can make a doctrine and say, in this church, only children are going to heaven. Because Jesus said, unless you become as a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I can take that one verse, and I can make a doctrine out of it. So they'll take one verse, and they'll make a doctrine out of it. And why do people follow it? Because they're ignorant. I'm just being honest. Because they don't read the Bible. That's why, we all, that's why we ask you to bring your Bible. That's why we ask you to read your Bible. See, the religions that have made, that taken the masses over the years, over the thousands of years, have stood up, and men have stood up in front of people and say, You don't need to bring your Bible. I'll teach you the Bible. You, just think that you don't even need that. You just follow what I say. Like a bunch of dummies. But well, we don't do that. We tell you to read your Bible every day. We tell you to have personal devotion. We ask you to bring your Bible here and open it up and look at it. So we're, we're, we're not ignorant tonight because we're looking at the Bible. But these people, the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of the word of God. Because they sit there and they just nod their heads, amen. And they just say amen to everything that's said. And it doesn't matter if it's in the Bible or not. And listen, I'm not trying to be mean tonight, this is a Wednesday night crowd, but I could ask you to open up to Mark 17 and say, man, when you get there, some people would say amen. There's only 16 books in that Bible, in that, 16 chapters in that book. How many follow me? But if you don't have a Bible in your hand, and you don't read your Bible, you don't know how many chapters in that book, you can say Amen. I could say, hey, we're not going to open up our Bibles tonight. I just want to teach you one verse. Mark 17, 15 says, and I could make a whole sermon off it. Some of y'all would go home and quote it and put it on Instagram and say, man, here's the verse from the Bible tonight. It changed my life. Man, it messed me up good. Doesn't even exist. Y'all follow me? So we're teaching what the Bible says. Let's stick to what the Bible says. And listen, I know there's a lot in here. But the simplicity of the gospel is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's all about Jesus. If you ever meet someone that just talks about Jesus, 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 that's good. There's a reason why. It's not that it's taking away from the the, the person of God the Father or God the Holy Spirit. It's just that Jesus is what makes the difference. Because if you just say, I believe in God, you've got a problem. Because like we've talked about, there's 330 million of them in India. And so we talked about that yesterday. This man said, I believe in God. I believe in Jehovah. And we asked him, well, who is God? And he said, Jehovah. And we said, well, there's a lot of gods. Which one do you believe in? See, the only way you can distinguish who the true God is, is you talk about Jesus. Amen. And there's a reason why Jesus said, in my, because of my name... You'll be hated. You notice today in, in the world we're living in right now, breaking down all these religions around the world, no one's getting their head chopped off for believing in God. In God. It's when you say the name of Jesus. You know that we're you know what? We're a target tonight because we have that name on our sign outside. I'm not saying that to put fear in you. Don't be afraid, amen. But we're not afraid to say that Jesus is Lord of this church. Because it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. The simple gospel is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So let's keep reading this for a second. Showed you the one verse. Go back a couple verses to 13. Colossians 1.13. He, Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness... Conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption, watch, through His what? Blood, the forgiveness of sins. I talked about that Sunday morning. Only in the blood of Jesus is there forgiveness. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation, verse 16. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things, say all things, were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Watch this. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Jesus amen how do you Isn't it so easy to just twist the scriptures isn't it so easy to just be brainwashed and it's sad it's sad as I sat there next to this man he was right next to me I, it was sad because I watched him trying his best to say what he's been told to say but didn't really know what he believed and I'm gonna show you that in a second Because the simplicity of the gospel at the end of this conversation left him silent. A a believer in Jesus Christ will always have the last word. Because the last word is always Jesus and him crucified. Amen. The last word is Jesus and him crucified. That's the last word. All the other things don't matter so we read this, and so I kept hearing him say, uh, as we've been talking about this, uh, works, works, works. He didn't. Sometimes he said the word works, but more than anything, he was like, man, it's so hard to be a Jehovah's Witness. And, and you, just, you, know, it's, it's one, you can't just go to church and then go out and, and then cuss. And you can't just go to church and then go out and drink. All those things he was saying was good. But that's getting the cart before the horse. You can't, you can't witness to somebody and begin to tell them, look, you're a dirty fish. And until you clean yourself up, you and your, you're worthless. You can't do that. You don't clean the fish before you catch the fish. You gotta catch the fish and then clean the fish. What good does it do to try to clean it as it's swimming away? What good is it? So the doctrine of works, and this is one of the reasons that you hear works so much, and and, and, and of course there's a whole different sermon on that and place you can go on that because other people out of the unbalance of god will say well we're saved by grace and that's the whole other extreme that you don't have to do any works faith faith without works is dead but you got to be saved before you can be saved right. <laughs> saved before you can be saved all right before you can do any works you got to be saved what are you working for right. good. what good does it do to be good if you're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you can be the best person in the world. And he kept talking about works and works and works. And so one of the, another one of the things, and I'll push past this to close up, is that they would believe that through works and good deeds, they will be saved. Here's the crazy thing, though. Besides the fact that you cannot be saved by good works, because Jesus said no one's good, besides that fact, they believe that there are 144,000 elect. I'm sorry if I call this stupid. I'm sorry. It don't make any sense to say that there's 144,000 elect and they're going to be the ones that go to heaven. What if I'm 144,001? How do I know what number I am? Seriously, and one. What if I'm the one? I miss it by one number. What if I'm one forty five thousand? Are y'all following me? They say there's a number, a number that only this one hundred and forty four thousand is going to go to heaven out of good works. Well, what if I, what if good works is being baptized, going to church three times a week, not cussing, not looking lustful, whatever. And what if it's you know, you got to do that for six months and I do it for five and die. I don't get in because I didn't do it for six months. I only made it five, God. See, when you start, it sounds silly, but when you start putting works to salvation, there's no way to know if you've done it or not. The standard is so high you can never reach it. That's why God says, hey, I want you to try to be holy. I want you to live a righteous life, but you can't do it to get to me. I want you to do it because I died for you and you live that life because you're thankful for it, but it can't save you. You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace, amen. by Jesus' blood. Amen. And that's the only way you can be saved. <laughs> then the works come, but you can't put the works before the salvation. So I kept, we kept asking him. We kept asking him. We were being honest. We were acting like we really wanted to be saved by him. How do we become Jehovah's witness? We kept asking him. I'm not trying to be funny or mean. I'm just being serious. We kept saying, what do we got to do? And he couldn't tell us. I, we, we were trying to really just listen to him. And, and we knew how it was going to end. We knew it was going to end bad for him and good for us. But we were trying. Come on, talk to us. Tell us something. They also believe that he didn't die on a cross. He died on a stake. He said that. We don't believe he died on a cross. He died on a stake. One nail. Instead of two. And they call God Jehovah in the New Testament. They still call him God, although there's no Greek words to back that up. Okay, so those are just a few things thrown out. But I really want to finish with this, the simple gospel. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. Real quick, I'm going to give you a couple more verses. And you'll be able to go out tonight and witness better. Amen. Share your faith better. Say Jesus. Yes. And him crucified. 1 Corinthians 15. The simple gospel. These are not hard to understand. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, watch this, the gospel. This is a really good, if you've got your pen, you got your notes, this is a good place to... To to mark this in your Bible, to write some notes down. I don't know how you do it. I don't know what you do to remember things. But whatever you do to remember things, do this. Because this is a good place to take somebody when you're witnessing. And, And go here and use these verses because Paul is saying here to the Corinthians, Brethren, I'm declaring to you what? The gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. What's the good news? Jesus. Died for my sins. So I don't have to go to hell. It's that simple. Okay. So he says, I'm declaring to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which you've also received, and in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Watch this, verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. Remember, Paul was lost. This is not somebody who was born saved. This is somebody who was killing Christians. This is somebody who was, new name the religion he was a part of, it doesn't really matter. He was lost in a cult. And he thought he was right. But he had a conversion experience. And the problem that that woman probably had at the hospital is she has not had a conversion experience. Because if you ask somebody if they're saved and they don't know, they have not had a conversion experience experience. Amen. So he says, which you believe in vain. I deliver to you that I received first, watch this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was what? Buried. And that he what? Rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Stop there for a second. The gospel is Jesus died. Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose from the dead. And he's not on the cross, in the the tomb anymore. He's alive, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Amen. He is coming soon. That's the gospel. Amen. The simple gospel. So finish with me. Where where was I? He was buried, rose again the third day. Verse 5, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. That's a lot of witnesses. Can you say that's a lot of witnesses? wasn't the twelve. It wasn't the twelve that gave their lives for Jesus. It was five hundred people at once saw him. Of whom the greater part remained to the present. They were still preaching the gospel. But some had fallen asleep, meaning died in the Lord. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me. Also as one born out of due time. Amen. It's powerful. The simple gospel. Now let me close with this. I'm going to get simpler. I don't even know if that's a word. But I'm going to get simpler. Or the simplest. There's a story in the Bible that you need to remember. And you can try to remember where it's at. It's in all the gospels, but the best one's Luke chapter 23. This is the simple, simple, simple gospel. We got to this place with this man. Because what I did. I'm going to get to that in a second. I won't get ahead of myself. Look at Luke 23. Say amen if you're there. Say wait if you're not. I say hurry up. I was kidding. I knew where I was already. Luke 23, verse 32. Then there were also two others, criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they'd come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, Watch that word, sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ, the chosen of God, the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemed him. Watch this, blaspheming him, saying, "If you are the Christ, save yourself and us." By the other, sorry, but the other answered rebuking him, saying, "Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong." Then he said to Jesus, "Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, some of the most powerful words in the Bible. Assuredly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me paradise now there's something very important about this this story is the gospel in its simplest form because it shows one man who rejects and one man who receives one man who mocks and watch this one man who repents now, why I say repents is if you look at Matthew 27 and sorry, and you don't look at it now, 27 and Mark, if you look at both those chapters, you will see that in Matthew and in Mark, they both say, both of them together, that the thieves reviled him. Both of them. Okay? You got different accounts, and God allowed these men to say different things in different chapters, not contradicting. This man brings the whole story in and shows the repentance of the thief who said, hey, I realize I am a sinner. But what we don't understand or we can't forget is that in this book it shows in Matthew and in Mark that this same thief that repented and said, you know, do you not fear God was a few minutes earlier mocking him too. He reviled him, it says. Another word for revile is criticize or condemn. So, Here's the thing. A lot of people say, have I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Not if you repent. If you are asking God to forgive you, you can't be blaspheming him. Because that's an ending result. And this man was blaspheming with them. They were both mocking Jesus. They were both angry. They were both upset. But something changed in this man's heart. And he said, I am a sinner. I am wrong. And he looked at him and he said, please. Remember me. And he said the words, Lord. Lord. See, that's the problem today. A lot of Christians don't have Jesus as their Lord. He's just some great person. But he's not Lord. Jesus wants you to make him Lord of your life. Amen. So I finish with this as the musicians are coming tonight. And like I said, don't turn me off. This is the best part. We're sitting at this table. He's sitting next to me. We've been talking for a few minutes, quite a few minutes, maybe a half an hour. Other guy on the other side now is taking his headphones out. He's been like this for like 20 minutes. He's been listening the whole time. We had a conversation with him after. Hopefully he'll go to Pastor Chris's church. We're talking, and, and I got... I let Pastor Chris do most of the talking. And he did an awesome job. But at the end, Spirit spoke something to me. And we had just come from the hospital. And I said, look, I know you got to go. We got to go. I said, but let me ask you something. And I was as serious as could be. I said, we just came from the hospital. And I just put myself in a place that he could relate to. I wasn't lying. I was giving an example. I said, we just came from the hospital. And we just visited a man who doesn't have any hope to live. Thank God he's saved, the man we prayed for. But I said, I just came from the hospital. And I said, I've been told I'm going to die. I I only have a few days to live. And I said, I, I, I need to be saved. I said, what do I need to do to be saved? That was my question. Because the gospel, this is what it comes down to. It's the now. It's today. It's not... The A, B, C's, D's, E's, F's, all the way to Z to get saved. It's what do I do today? That's what the thief on the cross shows us. And I was serious as could be and I said, Sir, I don't know how long I'm going to live. What do I need to do to be saved? And he honestly didn't know what to take. This is where he fumbled over his words and he basically said, Well, you know, you need to stop cussing and you need to stop looking at women with lust in your eyes and he started throwing all these works out and I said man for how long I said what if I die today and then I changed it and I said what if I go out right there the street was right there and I said what if I get hit by a car I need to be saved right now what do I do no answer but see we have an answer for that we have an answer Acts 2 and Romans 10 13 says call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved and that's what happened in that instant. In a few seconds, Jesus did not look at this man on the cross next to him and say, listen, it's too late for you. You can't be saved. You're up here with me, buddy. You, you're stuck. Because the only way you can be saved is get down off that cross, go to church for six months, get baptized, give your money, do, just start throwing all this stuff out. Don't look at women with lust in your eyes. Don't cuss. You got to do all this stuff And if you're still alive, come back and see me. He didn't say that. He said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Because the simple gospel is I call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I repent in my heart and believe on him, I am saved at that moment, at that instant, at that second right then. And I can die, I can walk out and get hit by a car. I can breathe my last breath. And I'm going to heaven. Not because of anything I did or anything I deserve that's the simple gospel when you're out witnessing you're talking about God do not bring up all the other things the devil wants you to bring up bring up Jesus and today is the day of salvation and you need to accept him right now and he ran out and we didn't have a chance to pray with him amen we knew he was going to scatter but we dropped a seed in him and that poor kid went home He's probably 25 he went home confused we left happy because we went in with Jesus and we came out with Jesus. We went in with Jesus crucified and came out with Jesus crucified. You can throw all this other stuff out, but the simple gospel is Jesus Christ and Him crucified.